Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's first Friday Toast to the Arts and Parks show. We do this every first Friday, obviously, and uh, we do this with the National Parks Arts Foundation. And our real focus is to talk with artists and residents in different park units across the country. And this year marks seven years of doing this show. Uh, this is our 16th year of Big Blend Radio and seven years of this specific show with the National Parks Arts Foundation. It's become kind of an annual thing now to kind of celebrate these shows because the artists that uh, stay in these residencies in parks uh, are amazing. And the conversations we have are incredible. And really the National Parks Arts Foundation, uh, what they do for these artist residency programs is incredible. It's like, you could be in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park for a month off in Loggerhead Key in the Dry Tortugas National Park off grid for a month, Chaco Canyon up in Northern New Mexico for a month. It is really an incredible program. Haleakala, we got to bring a shout out to that because that's one coming up too. So check out nationalparksartsfoundation.org. They are an incredible organization. So today we're going to be catching up with three artists, maybe four. And the reason I say that is that we had to like postpone this recording just a few minutes because of a crazy storm from where we're recording, uh, but we managed to get things together. So it could get interesting and hopefully we'll have Stan Honda on the show, an amazing astro uh, photographer, uh, photojournalist, uh, so who's been in multiple residencies. So hopefully we'll get him on the show, but if not, maybe we'll have him at the end. We'll see what we can do. But we do have Anna Glenn all the way from Sydney, Australia. I know she doesn't want me to say down under. She might hit me through or slap me over the head across a Zoom here as we record. Uh, but I encourage you to go to her website, Anna Glenn. Anna Glenn. Anna Glenn. Um, oh, she's gonna she's gonna sort me out any second. But we first talked with her a couple of years ago when we did a reunion of all the artists on Dry Tortugas because uh, going to Loggerhead Key Off Grid is really quite. Uh, that's I think the probably the most unique. Uh, residency that they have through the National Parks Arts Foundation because you are off grid. You have to learn about hurricanes. Um, it's pretty cool. So welcome back to the show. Should I say Anna or Anna? Like, you know, uh, Anna, exactly. Anna, 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 see, Anna, yeah. for, so, for some reason, I went South African just because you're in Australia. I don't know what yeah. happened. <laughs> that's all right. Hey, you were close to me when, you know, when we lived there. So that's kind of why all of a sudden I went, ooh, South African roots. I don't know why, but you guys were close and we had a yeah. lot of Australians in South Africa and vice versa, I think. I don't how many South Africans do you think are in Australia? Not I as many as... have no idea. No. Huh. No. Yeah. Uh, but even no. your accent makes me feel like I'm back in South Africa. See, that's weird. Yeah, yeah. but see, the thing is, we all think that we don't have an accent. <laughs> and now I'm gonna say, yeah, I know it's true, but, yeah. but we're all connected. <laughs> And this is what's cool about this program is that it, you know, this artist residency program, how it is international. It may be the National Parks Arts Foundation in this country, but, um, you know, they really are open to state parks too, national monuments and all kinds of places. But um, I think what's incredible is that they bring artists in here and then artists, you know, you're, you're from Australia, came over here, but you've taken 
your art around the world, you know, with what you do. So it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I, I just think it's, um, and a lot of it is with different national parks in different countries as well. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, national parks in the US is fabulous, but there's uh, a lot of national parks around the world that have other programs and, and support for artists, which is great. Mm -hmm. I love it. And hey, America did start the National Park Service. So I got to give yes, a shout out to yeah. you. We did yeah. do that. We did one thing, right? <laughs> That's a good yeah. thing. Uh, I also want to bring Master Feather Worker Rick San Nicholas on the show. Um, I encourage you to go to his website, hawaiianfeathers.com. And it's so funny, the first time we recorded his interview, I think it was back in 2021, he was in Hawaii Volcanoes uh, National Park and doing an exhibit there too. And we had to postpone his interview because we went through a storm that time. So welcome back, Rick. How are you? It's I'm, you. It's, what are you doing with these storms? I, I'm good. Aloha. Aloha, everybody. But you know what? I was going to make that comment, too, when uh, you're talking about the storm, because you're exactly right. We had to postpone uh, or we were talking and it went out at the very beginning and we had to come back on um, just the same. So. Um, yeah, I'm not going to take credit for bringing a storm to you, but you're just in the midst of it all. <laughs> because... You know, and we're in a different place. I mean, last time I think we were in, we were in Johnson City, Tennessee, and you were in Hawaii. Yes, exactly. Where are you today? Where are you today? Because you well, never I'm know actually where you at are. home. I I just returned from. Um, well, I was just in Hawaii a few weeks, just a few short weeks ago, and I just came back from Arizona, um, from the Herd Museum. There's a new hmm. exhibit that opened there. Um, that I was a part of, I was commissioned to do a standing um, pair of kahili traditionally made um, for this exhibit at the entrance. And um, I was there about three weeks ago to, to do the build um, of the kahili, because certainly you can't send the kahili there, they're 10 feet tall, um, you know, and um, of course all of the branches had to be assembled while I was there at the museum. Uh, but the museum exhibit just opened up this past weekend on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and um, and it was the very first of its kind too. It's a, it's a, the exhibit is called Heinalu, and Heinalu um, is um, is surfing, and it's about um, Hawaiians' um, claim to to surfing and, and Hawaiians' claim to you know as as being the inventors of surfing also, mm -hmm. and you know, and then people, you know, a lot of people who do know Hawaii and the culture, of course, will ask, well, what, what are you doing in an exhibit, you know, that is featuring surfing, you know, and, um, and of course, my comment back is always about the ali'i, all of the, the uh, you know, the royalty of Hawaii, um, just about all of them, male and female both, which were, um, you know, which that was their most, one of their most favorite pastimes was being in the ocean, surfing, um, cliff diving and doing a lot of water sports. And um, so at this exhibit in particular, there were um, some of the ancient boards that were put on exhibit there that came from the Bishop Museum and the boards were um, of the two in particular, among many others, there were um, the board that belonged to Prince uh, Jonakuhio Kalaniana Ole, and then also a board that belonged to Princess Kayulani and both of those boards were on exhibit there too. So at the point of where uh, an exhibit space or anything that is going to uh, represent the Ali'i of Hawaii in its old days and in today in respect to that, 
um, it would be appropriate to have the Kahili um, there, you know, to say that as soon as you walk in this room, when you see Kahili, and they were the very first things that you would see right in front of the exhibit name, um, Heinalu, you'll see a, you know, a pair of standing 10 foot tall Kahili um, with black and, and um, natural black um, rooster tails and, and the natural brownish reddish color of the saddle hackle that are, are also from roosters, which these feathers were used in old uh, traditional Kahili that are known to exist and of course are on exhibit at the Bishop Museum in the uh, Kawananakoa Kahili room. And so um, that's why that you would see the Kahili there. So when I did my, uh, when I did a talk, um, a scheduled presentation at that point um, <clears throat> of the exhibit uh, with, with a lot of people standing there to, of course, just to hear the story and then to see what, you know, um, the work that I had there. When I explained that, there, just about everybody did not know um, except the handful of Hawaiians that were you know, that were there. So it was great because we were able to share just that little bit about our culture, you know, and about Hawaii and, and what, um, you know, what may have been very important during those times in ancient times of Hawaii. Mm. But today, they're still um, represented, they're still respected. And, um, you know, and people still want to know that those things are going on as, as Hawaiians. And so that was my most recent thing. And right now, I'm just sitting here I um, switched from working on a feather cloak yesterday that I've been working on for a client to a feather cape that I was commissioned to do just this morning. Um, you know, and it's such a special, uh, you know, special, special commission and an honor um, that what I was asked to do. And um, I wasn't told I couldn't say anything about it, but it'll be coming out um, very shortly. But it is going to be um, for the, uh, it'll be for the, Memorial service and the um, uh, the the funeral service of the last um, recognized reigning Ali'i, which was Princess Abigail mm -hmm. Kawanakoa. So the cape I'll be making, although she has just recently passed last month, is going to be put onto her. Um, will be uh, displayed on her casket and during her. Oh. Um, memorial service and during all of the um, viewing and um, the burial at, at the um, at Mona Ala. So oh, I, that that's that's special. And I, you know, speaking of Hawaii too, I, I want to go to Mary Babcock. I want to bring her on the show. I know she's got a short time too, and she's busy uh, having an exhibit now. But when this airs, um, which won't be that long from now, but it will be ending. But uh, Mary, Mary was on our show not too long ago, and. I think one of one of the most recent uh, artisan residents in uh, Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. So I want to bring her back. She is a multi. Uh, I'm going to say, she is a multimedia visual performing artist, a, a little bit of everything, and an educator. And you can go to marybabcock.com. So welcome back, Mary. How are you? Good. Thank you, Lisa. It's really nice hey. to be back. And, yeah. and you're in Hawaii, right? I mean, that's, I am that's still in volcano. It's hard to leave this place. I'm I'm still oh. here, which is, oh. is an amazing time to be here between um, Mauna Loa's eruption and Kilauea. Now uh, it's like a amazing time to feel Pele's presence on the island here. So I feel very blessed. Yeah, I know there's a lot going on over there. I mean, yeah. I think this is really interesting that the three of you are on the show when you know you're all connected i mean it's that that side of the world is all connected and, and so i think that's really really cool but mary tell us a little bit about the exhibit that 
so people know because this is part of from your residency yeah right? yeah i have an exhibit up from december through january at the um east hawaii cultural center in hilo which is this amazing art center um that hilo is blessed to have and it's a number of works dealing with a range of different ecological issues around the Pacific, including some of the work I learned here, uh, work inspired by um, the Kahuku unit of Volcano National Park uh, in particular, um, and also um, some of the sister islands here, uh, some of the uh, issues around the Marshall Islands and the ecological and so social and cultural issues there. And um, then last Friday, we did this really interesting fun event where it was sort of um, to bring the works alive, uh, collaborated with uh, two musicians who made um, composed uh, new work for the, the show and then a series of uh, uh, other readers and a dancer um, really sort of speaking for the works or sort of thinking of the works. What, what do they talk about, you know, after the lights close in the gallery at four? So um, that was mm. really great to have uh, be able to collaborate with some local folks here and um and have you know the community come out for that so that was really fun wow that's really awesome so have you taken any really good walks i know that you nancy yeah. and i all talked about the meditative walks have you been doing any good walking yeah i mean it's pretty hard not to here actually yeah. you know this is an amazing place that changes every day um so you know i spend a lot of time still i i'm i'm in volcano town for the year so um, i've been really lucky to be able to sort of extend my experience to the residency uh, across time so i spent a lot of time in the park still uh, and, and it changes every day it, it's really wow. unbelievable this is it's exciting and i you know i want to go back to you anna um when when you think about your residency at dry tortugas like that's so we've, we've got coastal ones going on here we've got the pacific we got you went on the atlantic side um I think that was pretty epic what you did that was what 2015 am I right on that yeah I think yeah it was 2015 and we were the first wow. artists in residence so um I was accompanied by my husband Peter Del Mazzo who is a um, scientist biologist and um luckily he'd also been a mechanic in a previous life because <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know we, we as the guinea pigs I, I sort of say um kind of jokingly but we had to make sure that everything was operating you know the d-cell unit and so I think it was good that we were the first ones because um, we had the ability to to try and sort of make all the mechanical stuff work and dive underwater to unblock sort of what the inlets for the d-cell unit and um but we had to delay a bit because of um, storms and stuff as well during that residency. So that's wow. amazing. The, the, the weather, they're just, I think yeah. that on some of these residencies, that's one of the things that really the artists really notice. Mm. You, you, I want to say that it's, it's interesting because I mean, Nancy and I travel the country full time and Nancy says, hello, everyone. But now I that we're back to. online, her, her computer's playing updates and and that's annoying um so yeah. you know it's it, it's just rude and i just got word um i i think stan is coming on board oh he's here oh wait let me introduce him but i want to talk about the weather because that's awesome 
Stan Honda, everybody, I believe, is connecting in. I'm so excited that we could still make this happen. Stan is, uh, Stan is an amazing photographer, photojournalist, astrophotographer, and uh, he's been in Chaco, Fort Union, Haleakala, and a whole bunch of other national parks. But welcome, Stan. How are you? Hi, Lisa. I hope you're doing okay. Oh, we're doing good. Just a little mini tornado took a few trees out down the street, but nothing Well, actually in the back of the garden there where we are right now, but no biggie. The electricity's back on. Nancy's computer said it's updating, so she says hi. So she's not, not here, so but we comment. got, <laughs> yeah, but we're here. And I want you to know that you're on with Mary Babcock, who is, I think, one of the most recent uh, artists in residence in Hawaii Volcanoes National Park. Uh, Rick's and Nicholas is here. We've got Anna Glenn, and uh, this is cool. We got the party. So Stan, where are you today? Great. You never I, know uh, with you. Yeah, yeah, I happen to be home in New York City. Uh, it's, it's raining here, no tornadoes, though. Oh, well, you know, they, they just say there's a tornado watch and you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go, oh, my God, it's really happening. Um, but but uh, I want to go back into this conversation with Anna talking about the weather. When you are not in a residency and I mean, we deal with weather all the time. We've been through hurricanes. Well, I mean, Nancy, and I've been through a little bit of everything, um, not a tsunami. And, and I don't want to add that as a yet to our list. But when you have the opportunity to be in a residency and, and want to go through this with all of you, to actually just have that time to observe the weather and enjoy it, um, I think sometimes yeah, I think when especially, we're in regular yeah. life, you, you've, you yeah. don't enjoy it as much. You know what I mean? Especially dry tortugas, though, because um, I'm not sure if the artists still have access to the lighthouse, but we were able to go up to the top of the decommissioned lighthouse and just mm. weather different storms from up there and film and uh, that perspective where you're just looking out in across the ocean and you can see the roiling clouds just rolling and building and um, it's it's very very dramatic it's very very hard to capture as well I think it's mm -hmm. um, but even the sounds and stuff uh, and the wind sort of blowing through the the trees there. It's a pretty amazing place. It's um, it's very beautiful. Did that because I know you are you know a contemporary multimedia artist. Uh, and and when I look at your art, and I follow you on Instagram, and I'm always like, look what Anna's doing. Like you do some <laughs> crazy video work too. I mean, there's things that you've done over the years that I'm just all like man she did like things don't pass her by as an as an observer no and, and i think that's yeah that's the good thing about residencies though because when as an artist when you arrive at this new location you everything is crisp and clear all your senses are alive and and you just you, you kind of suck it all up. You see everything. and But that diminishes. Well, I, I personally, I find that after a few days, that initial um, awareness of everything diminishes a bit. So you've kind of got to grab those first, like, 48 hours and, and you know, smell, uh, listen, look, um, feel everything that's there. Mm. I agree. I agree. Stan, I want to go to you with your photography. Weather means everything to you, especially with astrophotography, right? Right. I mean, when I'm doing the night sky photography, uh, 
uh, a clear or nearly clear sky is ideal. Although clouds are interesting, they like in daytime landscapes, they really add, they can add to a, to a picture. So I'm sort of obsessed with the weather, what's happening to it, what's going to, what, trying to look at forecasts ahead of time. But I think like Anna, at a lot of the parks that I'm at, most of the residencies I've done have been in national parks in the West, the Southwest and the West. So uh, with these really huge spaces, wide open spaces, you could see weather over a really large area. And so mm. when it does come in, it's it's pretty spectacular. And then um, it, 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 and oftentimes it, it moves quite fast. Uh, and so I've, I've learned to, uh, sometimes you think, oh, well, rain's coming in, we're done for the night. But I always, I always say, no, you got to wait until you, it, until it's really done. Cause I was at the rock in Rocky mountain one time and it, it was, it started to rain. So I, I was headed back to my car and all of a sudden I see some stars and clouds are clearing and I end up going back to the lake I was at and, and ended up getting one of the better pictures because of there were some re residual clouds and some clearing. And so it, uh, weather definitely adds adds to the art uh, in, in a lot of these environments. Man, I tell you what, being the eye of a hurricane and that is some crazy cool. I mean, I'm not, I, and I don't want to diminish the fact that so many people are um, going through really bad weather right now. Um, Rick, you're you're in California right now. In California, I, I'm just, you know, parks are closed, like the sequoias that we, you know, we always talk about on our show. And people are really, I, I have friends right now with flooding in their properties and and places so it, i'm not diminishing that but i think mother nature wants to always dominate and always does and we can't really escape that and so it's um something to witness like when you're in, in the southwest and you'd be able to see the monsoon storms it's like wow it is so humbling um mary before i know you have to go soon but this is something that you really get into right? This is yeah. part of what you do, and especially looking at water. Yeah, I'm a little slower. I think it takes me a while to actually let a place sink in. And for me, like a lot of times, I think being able to be in a new place, it, it takes my soul a while to catch up and get there. And so there's like a seed that's planted. And then it's usually, I don't know, several months before it fully germinates and becomes a large scale project. Mm -hmm. Um just because I, I think I'm a little slower. But, you know, like um, being here, I, I don't know if we call it weather exactly, but, you know, right now with the active, the activity of Pele here on the island, uh, talking about being diminished, you know, uh, as sort of this amazing force, not just of all the vo volcano specifically, but really of the energies of this place and, um, you know, how both creative and destructive they can be simultaneously it's mm. just you know, I, I find really really fascinating so um yeah I think uh you know it's so important to be able to spend significant amount of time in a place and I think one of the things that I really appreciated about the volcano residency and a residency I did earlier but Sienna you did too with Sitka Center Art and Ecology was both of those places really just allowed time to be in a place without you know, a lot of pressure of you have to have an outcome immediately. And yeah. um, I think that's like so important for artists or for myself, at least as an artist, 
you know, to be able to have that time to uh, sort of step out of your everyday life and the pressures you feel, or I feel there, or the pressures I put on myself um, to be productive <laughs> um, so that like a new way of seeing things actually is allowed to come in and let go of maybe um, some of the habits and take some risks. So that's something I've really appreciated about um, about about the parks. Can I, think I, can the I respond to Mary? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, talking about Sitka, I, I don't know, Mary, if you got the same speech when you arrived because, you know, you, you'd write your application and we got there and there was a group of us, there was writers and musicians and they mm. gave us the tour and then they said, well, look, we loved your submission. Now you can forget it if you want. Right. And that was the best thing right. that mm -hmm. a residency could do because everyone just went, <gasps> and it was like a breath of fresh air that you could, you didn't have to stick to that preconceived plan. You could just yeah. respond or, or do whatever. So I think that was, that's a really brilliant thing. Yeah. It, yeah. That's something we find with every, just about every artist we've interviewed over the years is that they had this, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And Mother Nature will tell you differently, but I want to go to Rick on this because your work is so uh, such cultural heritage, right? It's such historic work. Um, do you get influenced by things like the natural elements and the climate and, and what's going on with weather and what's around you in a place like a residency like Hawaii Volcanoes National Park? Um, well, yes, I do. Um, you know, and I've been doing my work for a long time with ancient Hawaiian feather work, but um, when you're in the presence of the, uh, in in my case of the um, of the forest and being right in the middle of the forest at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park, there's um, there's so much influence there, you know. So um, on my last residency um, <clears throat> that I had done a couple of years, I think it's two years ago now. Um, but there was still in COVID shutdowns and everything else too. I wasn't able to actually really do an exhibit um, that I had planned to do, but I was okay with that. Um, but while I was there and doing work, I mean, I had actually built a, a and, and made an entire feather cape, um, a battle cape actually, which is like a short feather cloak. Um, <clears throat> and, 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 and it was, and it just came to me from driving and I was driving from, the uh, park area down to, um, I think it was down to South Point, going down that direction towards the, towards the Hale. Um, and then at the time I was driving, the rain started to, uh, to come, started to drizzle, and then it was a good rain, and then it just turned to be just a steady, you know, easy driving rain and so forth. But I was driving through, um, driving through the lava fields of Pahoy Hoy, and, and going through that, area where it was still, you know, fresh lava being, you know, a number of years, but still nothing growing, just the cracks that were starting to show and you'd start to see the ferns and the ulua come up from there, um, the plants and, and just different things starting to grow. And, um, you know, and then it just really influenced um, a thought in my mind of a feather cape and especially a battle cape because it was such rough terrain, it was the colors that hmm. really um, that really got me in the motion um, to do the work that I did. So I designed a cape while I was there and I built it um, and all the feathers that I wanted to bring with me um, to work on a feather cape of, you know, one or two different designs. I had everything I wanted, which pretty much came to, um, 
came to life right there. And I finished that cape, I've exhibited that cape and I tell the story and people would totally understand what I'm talking about when you talk about how your surroundings influence your work as an artist. Um, you know, and, and the same thing when we were, um, you know, before they shut down, you know, um, the building, the heel wing um, to change into the, um, to, to work towards the parks museum that they were doing. Cause I don't even think that that's opened yet. Um, but I know that they were doing work, but in that in that room, that was kind of the entryway uh, is where I did my first uh, residencies. I was the first artisan resident for NPAF. And, um, mm. and as I did that, I was um, consecutive for three years doing it there. And my work was done in this small room and the room was, you know, it was really a dark room. And it's very, you know, the work that was in the room, um, I mean, the old Wainscons walls, you know, the types of windows that they had, um, the lighting was was next to nothing. Every time I came, I'd have to light up the room, light up just so I could work, let alone for people to see. But I was able to do a lot of exhibiting and um, had groups that would come in and want, want to come in and see the artwork, but then have a lot of questions and so forth. And it ended up being really good. But, you know, they have giant, the, the giant ferns that are out in the forest there and our building that I was in was up against um, a lot of those ferns and so during the afternoons when the winds would come in then you would see the ferns just rocking and rocking and then all of a sudden while I'm working near a window then I'll see a bird you know and I just mm. see it flash by because it's bouncing in the wind but then when it bounces again and bounces again the birds are looking in the window and that's what yes. they were doing and then seeing that you know um, once again then that's actually another bit of you know, inspiration and such too. But the bird, the three birds that ended up being on the same branch that we're looking were Eebe, you know, and Eebe, of course, are the native Hawaiian birds, but they were very um, much a, a, a huge part of, of the cape making of ancient times of Hawaii, the reddish um, crimson color birds, you know, and so we, I would see them and they were there. And, and if I didn't know any better, they're looking inside because I, you know, they're seeing what's in there. I had feather capes, I had feathers all over the place, feather lays and so forth. And um, animals are very inquisitive. And so when they see something that looks normal to them, they want to see, of course, if it's like <laughs> your, one of your family that's in there or something or other birds and they want to know. So if you pay attention to some of those things, they really are influential um, to your work. And and yeah. just on a real quick, one more thing is is that in those first three years where, where I stayed, I don't I didn't stay in the house that we all have come to know and if you've been in the um, at Hawaii Volcanoes National Park but I stayed in the small cottages in the park so at nighttime yeah. of course everything is you know um, in, in nighttime you just have your lights from your buildings but if you turn your lights off you are in pitch black can't see your hand in front of your face kind of dark but if you once you take outside and as a um, and I'm not a photographer um, you know, as Stan or or as Mary, um, you know, for for the sake of looking at, at work like that, but sitting out in the darkness and how dark it is and the skies there, just like I would imagine they would be at the Tortugas for Anna, um, you know, it's so dark out there, you can see forever. And even just seeing that, it, it just really, it calms your soul, makes you think, um, you know, really about who you are, how small you are in the world. And, um, and even though us as artists, you know, when, when, you, when you're, um, I guess when you're in the presence of such awe, because I was in awe of just that feeling and that looking up into the sky, 
you know, how small we are in this whole world. And so we all should do our best things and our best work while we can and do our best parts to keep the world as nice a place as it should be. Oh, well said. I think you're really right. <clears throat> I want to go to Stan and, and on on that, but I know Mary has to leave us. But Mary, before you go, what's next for you? That's a good question. Um, you know, I I um, really enjoyed the collaboration that I did with some of the um, the local musicians and um, other folks, and tried in, in terms of really trying to bring the work not you know off of being objects and into real life experience, um, and so I'm excited about continuing to work in that direction, and uh, yeah, yeah I, we'll see where it goes. Um, I've also um, working on a project um, to uh, really bring some of the issues of the uh, the treatment we the United States have done to the. Marshall Islands, particularly our sister islands out in the Pacific. And, um, you know, I think all my work is really trying to bring forward stories that otherwise aren't told. So I guess that's mm. the theme. <laughs> Ooh, you've got a good connection with everybody on the show with that. And yeah, that land, Stan has done a lot on that too. And not just on the islands, but on, on you know, American soil. And so, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So everyone, keep up with Mary. Um, the best place is your website, right? To go to marybabcock.com for people. Yep. yep. Okay. Keep up with Mary there. And please stay in touch with us. You know, these are reunion so chats, much. but NPAF artists are always welcome on our show with anything that's going on. You guys are all family. As far as we're concerned, whatever you're doing, like we want to know and our audience wants to know. So uh, please stay in touch, Mary. Great. Thanks so much, Lisa. I appreciate it. Nancy, too. And take a walk for us. And in, in, I, I just, I want to go for a walk. Can't yeah, right now. It's you a little be weird here out there. Midnight. That's the best time. One in the morning. It's unbelievable. Ooh, Patsy <laughs> Klein so would agree with you. Go walking <laughs> after midnight. Awesome. Yep. Well, enjoy. Enjoy. Okay, thank, thank you, you so you much. Okay. Thank you so much. Stan, I, I, I want to touch on that because your work, you've, I mean, I think in the very first interview, we talked about some of the books and, and work you did actually talking about uh, just your family history and, and history of what America has kind of done. Some of the history people kind of want to shy away from, but you've put to the forefront. Can you tell everybody a little bit about that? One of the projects I've been working on for uh, quite a while is about the uh, incarceration of Japanese Americans during World War II, uh, right after Pearl Harbor. The uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt issued an executive order that essentially uh, led led to the incarceration of about 120,000 Ameri mostly American citizens. Um, two of those people were my my parents. They didn't know each other at the time, so they were caught up in this wartime hysteria that that uh, led to the uh, to the uh, incarceration of all these people. So. Uh, I have a writing partner in Los Angeles who's a writer and a filmmaker, and we worked on a, a couple of books. We uh, in 2018, a book came out called uh, "Moving Walls: The uh, Barracks uh, of America's Concentration Camps," and, and so we were trying to look into the history of of the camps and the people, and also the people in the surrounding communities to try to get a better idea of. of just how this fit into American history. For, for, for Sharon, my partner, Sharon Yamato and I, uh, it's both our family history, uh, our, our 
parents, uh, aunts and uncles and grandparents uh, were all incarcerated. Uh, but but for us, it's also we, we see it as part of American history. Yeah. And which, like you, you said, Lisa, it's uh, not well known, not not very well taught in schools even now, which is which is really too bad because it kind of can teach you something about uh, both a lot of different things, uh, immigration, the, the power, the presidential powers, powers of government, uh, but also uh, a, a group of people who uh, very few people stood up for at, at the time, um, even though their constitutional rights were being taken away. So, uh, so there's a lot of, I think, education to go on. And uh, Sharon mm -hmm. got a grant. Uh, the uh, actually, this is great because it's actually through the National Park Service. They uh, they administer three of the of the sites that were camps where Japanese Americans mm -hmm. were held, uh, and so over the years they've created a uh, what they call the Japanese American Confinement Sites Grant Program, and so they give out grants to people who are doing projects that are trying to educate the public uh, about the incarceration. Uh, Sharon received a grant for the first book project that we did, and, and she did a a, a film. Uh, of our project as well, and she just received a second grant. Uh, we're gonna we're working on a project. We're 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 just we're this past few days we've been doing a lot of planning uh, about uh, what what were euphemistically called assembly centers, and they were the uh, the first detention centers that uh, when Japanese Americans were forced from their homes along the West Coast, they were sent to these uh, initial detention centers that were called assembly centers. And from there, there they were sent on to the to the bigger, more permanent camps, uh, which which uh, if you know about the history, you're more familiar with the bigger camps than these smaller mm -hmm. assembly centers. Mm -hmm. uh, so at the end of February, I'm going out to Los Angeles and we're going to take a trip. We're going to see three of the assembly centers. And, and it's a project oh, that will wow. probably yeah, it'll probably take much of the year because um, there were 17 of these assembly centers in all. And we're, we're going to try to document what's there now and compare it to historical photographs and and the, the history of these uh, of the forced removal of Japanese Americans wow. uh, and then uh, so our we're trying to just just plan out uh, tours and contacts of of each of the sites and most of the time there's in many places there's there's nothing left of what these assembly centers were uh, many of them though were were uh, at places like horse tracks and county fairgrounds. Uh, and so if, if you've ever been to a county mm. fairground or if you've ever been to a horse track, horse racing track, uh, imagine the areas where the horses mm -hmm. were and the stalls were or, or big empty fields. And that's where barracks were built, where people were living. And so people were living where animals used to live. They were putting mm -hmm. human beings there. And so uh, I think part of our project is to is to look at this and eventually we're going to make a website because i think we wanted to do more of a multimedia type thing um i i oh wow one idea is to get a, a, a use drone footage so i i bought a drone i'm trying to learn how to fly oh, cool. and photograph with a drone so <laughs> uh, a, a pilot friend of mine is helping me out with that but because there were actually a fair number of aerial photos taken of the um assembly centers in 1942, which is kind of odd, although they were, most of them were run by the army. And so they, they had aircraft. And so they just sent up somebody and had them take photos of the, of the site. So these, 
a lot of documents and images exist from the from 1942, which is which helps us a lot in in finding wow. out ex exactly where these sites were, how many, uh, how how big it was, and then what to photograph now compared to what it looked like in 1942. Um, so so uh, that's one of the bigger projects I'll be working on this year, um, and uh, along along with uh, the night sky photography as well. This I want to go to Rick because obviously Rick, what you do in feather work. Um, is keeping a tradition alive, reminding people that it was there and introducing it to us. Like Nancy and I didn't know it other than we knew other, we talked to, you know, in, in us living in Africa, that was part of life too. And I think what you're doing is also very important in letting people know the culture, the history. And obviously you've, you've connected over in Australia too. I mean, it, what you're doing is connected big time. Yeah, it is, and um, the the ways that um, the Hawaiian art or the ancient Hawaiian arts of, of uh, feather work, you know, um, and and the work of the Hawaiian feather capes and the feather helmets and so forth is probably the oldest art form in all of Hawaii. Um, you know, and there's so few people that do that work. Um, I didn't learn from anybody. You know, I just for me, I I pretty much taught myself. By researching and and practicing and practicing and practicing, you know, to get to a point that where my first um, feathered helmet, um, you know, was done, my first feathered cape was done, and then you know, um, and then just continuing that work, just so that what I can do is to go out and share the work with the public um, in Hawaii or here on the mainland side, um, you know, or or in the world, um, me, meaning just going out and, and doing the small work and installation that I did in Australia at the Australian Museum. But for, um, you know, but for people in Hawaii, which is, you know, Hawaii's culture and it's Hawaii's people, um, you know, and if I had a gun to my head saying, you know, you need to give me 10 names of people who know this artwork or you're going to die, I'd be dead because I didn't know 10 people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, although I know there are others that are out there, I probably could have given five names of people that I know who have attempted to work, tried to work and have completed at, in some way, the completion of a small shoulder cape, um, you know, to the point that where uh, now, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it is, I, I've been told, I don't just, you know, uh, brag on it at all, but, you know, I, I do have probably what's known as the largest um, private collection of Hawaiian feather capes in the world. I mean, I have 20, um, I think it's 28 is what I have, um, you know, a feather cloak that I have, several feathered helmets, um, the standing kahili and kahili and so forth. So as as I take this work, and it's the reason I, I do have such a big collection is I take it to exhibit. And when people, you know, come around um, work that is so sacred to Hawaii, um, and even people who don't know the, the work and don't know the sacredness of the work in Hawaii and Hawaiian culture, you know, they're always at, you know, put in a place that they're like in awe of it because really once they learn about it, what it represents, it, it's even it's even more so um, striking to that person who doesn't know the work. Um, but even so to Hawaiians in Hawaii, when I do show, and I do have exhibits, I have public exhibits in, in a number of locations. I just finished setting one up in, uh, in what month is this, January? So in December, you know, um, at the Hawaii Convention Center and all of their art cases that are um, on the third floor. I have a large collection up there I, uh, and just did that. And I just got email today that we're looking at the um, 
you know, the opening date of this exhibit, um, like as an announcement to the public. And, um, you know, because I think I have eight feather capes there, um, a newest feather cloak that I've made and the largest feather cloak that I think exists, um, you know, and, um, and, and a lot of that work. But the thing is, is that when people see these things, either out in the open or just uh, done in a tasteful way as far as exhibiting to where they can walk mm -hmm. up to them very closely and to see it right in front of them. Um, it, it really is, it, it, it sets people back a step and they just, you know, and then it's just the factor of, wow, you know, and, and they really want to, they want to know more about it. And so, and even since you and I had talked last, I, I think I had just started teaching um, when I was at that, uh, doing the exhibit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, at the moment, um, gosh, at the property that I was exhibiting at, but even at that point, um, the, the work, you know, then I've been teaching classes. And so now I oh, can name, awesome. you know, I can name a hundred people that, <laughs> um, that know how to do the work, but I can, I can for sure say I have maybe 15 or 20 that have completed feather capes and, um, and I'm using them to, you know, to be a part of the helping of teaching, you know, among, um, the younger generations, and that was my my um, special thought. With that, is to is to teach so the art doesn't get lost. Mm. And then it was then it was to teach all the ages, and more so to focus also on um, the much younger generation, being in your teens and, and your lower twenties. You know, to mm. see the people who have the ability to um, to take what they've learned, to be able to grasp onto it, because you know it's really not. Um, uh, the work is not physically demanding, of course, but it's very mentally demanding and meaning that, you know, you really have to be somebody who does have patience and you have control over, you know, over what your motor skills are and um, and everything's with hand and eye, you know, everything is hand done, natural products, natural fibers and so forth. And then once it's, um, then once the work is done, then it's, uh, you know, that, that you've really accomplished something when you've completed the work of a, of a Hawaiian made feather cape. So, uh, you know, and these people I'm looking at to um, uh, uh, a handful of them, if not more, as they grow. But those people I want to teach into being um, alakai in the Hawaiian term, but meaning, of course, to be, you know, the assistant and the, and the learners that are coming up to be able to learn and see what this um, and to be able to help with the, um, the progression of the teaching and to um, perpetuate it into the future so that this art form doesn't, doesn't get lost. Because I love at, that. At any I love, point right now, I, it is at the point of getting lost. I, I love that, especially with the youth, because I think it's also something that you can do something other than get into shenanigans, you know, though we all can use a little shenanigans here and there. But mm -hmm. um, I, I wanted to ask Stan and Anna this. Uh, Anna, when I look at Rick's capes, there is something very tactile about them. And then there's a side of me that wants to photograph them and like create art upon art. And so, Anna, I want to go to you first. Do you want to, when you look at these capes and the feathers and how they're tactile, but then you, you don't want to be over tactile out of respect. You know what I mean? There's like something yeah. about these capes. Like I yeah. want to paint, I don't paint, but I do photography. Nancy would want to paint them, but like, mm -hmm. I, I want to, I don't know, but I want to paint the capes, like not on them, but it, do you know what I mean? Like, I want to do something with it. Yeah, no, I've I've been um, admiring um, uh, Rick's work and looking at at all the the layers and I sort of my my response was wow that would look fabulous under macro 
photography, you know, See, sort of making yeah. all of those layers like they are layers in a, a landscape or sort of moving through the feathers. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really excited. By See, I know she's going to make it like yeah. a whole new thing and make a video and like all kinds yeah. of painting. Thank you, and, I, I, it's, it's, it's true. Like there's something about it. I don't think in a photo, like a small photo, yeah. you get it. And, and also you, slow motion footage of ooh. the capes and sort of in movement, because that would just be so beautiful. Um, oh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Stan, what do Let's you think? Talk, I, mean, Rick. I yeah. know. It's, <laughs> Stan, what, I know that's a different kind of photography, but you do all photography really like would, would, I mean, those capes are special, right? I mean, they oh, have definitely, to... yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, they're very beautiful, and I think just the the patterns and the uh, the my my initial thought though is that I I really want to see one of these in person. I want to mm -hmm. I don't want to see it in a photograph. I want right. to see it in front of my eyes because I think that the the real appreciation I think is when you see the actual object because of the the texture like you're ever like everybody has been describing it, textures of the feathers, the colors, just the, the shape of, of the cape itself. And I think um, it's, it's great, Rick, that you, you're able to exhibit some of these uh, so that people can actually uh, see them. Because I think that's, that's sort of the real appreciation when you, when you see the work going in that's gone into it. And, and then you, you see the object in, in front of you. And I mean, I know that's hard for a lot of people can't get to might, might not be able to get to Hawaii or wherever you're going to exhibit it, but um, it's, I would think in person would be really the way to experience it. Yeah, I think that, there. I think that also with photography, you know, I know we have Instagram and everything, right? Yeah. But like, that's why we do digital magazines, because at least you can blow it up a little bit in a magazine, right? But like, unless you have it tactile or actually on the wall, there's something about that. I mean, what do you think about that, yeah. Stan? I mean, Instagram is great for photographers and for artists and everything. And, and, you know, Facebook people will download your stuff and try and blow it up and then really ruin it. Right. Um, <laughs> so, like, don't, like, listen, everybody, stop it. But <laughs> just stop it. <laughs> if the photographers take raw footage that is, like, you know, like gazillion megabytes that, you know, I don't do because I can't. But, but what you do is... Um, amazing especially with stars you can't look i mean i i follow you and what you do but it's like still the, the you've got to you've got to experience photography beyond instagram can i just say that yeah. oh oh yeah i completely agree I, I i usually tell people instagram is just terrible for photography because what you're looking at is it's a two inch wide picture and then and especially if it's a if it's a panoramic view of something, no matter what it is, how, how are you supposed to vertical? Ver I couldn't put it? up. I couldn't put Shoshone Falls up today because it it is taller than Niagara Falls. Well, it, that won't work. Right, right. That won't work. Like, and sorry. Yeah, and then just the the medium, of course, is different. I I grew up shooting. I learned uh, photography because I'm old, <laughs> and I, I I using film. I. I uh, learn with film and making prints and and for me at least for the medium of photography even with digital photography uh a physical print is to, i think the one of the better ways to uh to exhibit the work to to actually mm -hmm. see the work um 
I just had an exhibit last year in September, uh, part th thanks to Tanya Ortega, uh, at the Maui Arts and Cultural Center. Um, when I was at Haleakala for the residency in 2019, the gallery director had seen uh, some of my work, and she, so I met with her, uh, and she said, "Can we have an exhibit of your work?" She really liked the, the night sky work, and I was doing a lot of work at at Haleakala on the on the uh, in the crater. So um, after a few, uh, obviously a pandemic got in the way and some delays, but we finally had the exhibit in September. Oh. So I had uh, 25 prints made, some very, very large, 40 by 60. I had three uh, panoramic images that were 95 inches wide. So just the sheer scale was much bigger than I had done in past exhibits. Um, and the uh, I work with a printer in Flagstaff who's who's unbelievably good. He's probably one of the best printers in the country. And uh, mm. I think just what he got out of the images and he was actually experimenting with a new type of uh, fine art paper that that uh, is is special especially made for photography. So he when I saw the prints after the the final prints, uh, I, I told him that these really look like what I was trying to get across. Because even on a computer screen, even though the digital right. image is made to be uh, projected through a computer screen, it, sometimes it doesn't look exactly the way uh, mm -hmm. I, I want it to look and feel. Well, how, how, does, how does a viewer, what kind of emotions do they get by looking at the picture? And, uh, and with these prints, I think you were able to to study the picture. You're able to look at it, and I think maybe understand what I was trying to get across in in the image. And and I think you're I think you're right where the actually producing a physical object from the from the image uh, to me is really the way to to show a, a at least a photograph to show the medium that I, that I work in. We we got you know video and things which I think are really important too. Like with Anna's talk, Anna's mm -hmm. talk. I'm sorry, she's now Anna. Sorry about that, Anna. <laughs> but mm -hmm. I just it's an accent thing. But um, it it is really, I think each thing has a different place, right? And you know it's very interesting. Printing is you know we come from a magazine printing background, and um, no matter what you do, it everybody's computer monitors. Are at a different setting right so it's never it's so weird like and i know we've gotten better over the years and and so kind of glad i'm out of it now that kind of thing because it's just like dude but all i know is like you could put something here 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 and it changes all across all mediums and i'm like okay something's weird somewhere is it this is it that and you could go crazy until you actually have the printed thing you know or you know out there for people but I think there's something um, important when you do astrophotography. I find that a lot of the photography, they, you know, there's the whirly things which are cool, becomes very stiff and cold. Like it, it just feels cold. And there's something about when it's printed out and you actually see it big, that it has this warmer tone where you actually feel like you're there. So when you see something small, it's like, oh, that's magical. It's beautiful. But it just seems this. I, I can't explain it, Stan. It's just different. I just well, can't. You know what I mean? There's just a warmer tone to it. Almost feels rounder. I'm weird. I, I guess with well, with any kind of landscape, of course, the 
the subject you're photographing is big by definition it's big it's a landscape mm -hmm. so uh and the sky of course is big it's infinite uh, and so th the bigger you see an image the bigger the print is i think the more obviously the more impact it has mm -hmm. um, uh, a lot of times pictures are printed big just to print big and and then you see a picture that might not work so well uh huge uh but the but the especially the night sky landscapes that the what, what i call what i do is i i think the, the the scale helps helps you understand it a little bit more mm -hmm. and the uh the way the exhibit was presented uh in maui worked out really well because of the That's both awesome. because of the gallery space but i think just the size um and there were a lot of 20 by 30s and uh, and a little bit smaller than that that that, that worked out well uh, also uh, but but i think you're right where you see this image at a very large scale and then that it it it's, it'll, it matches the subject matter that you're looking at it's it's magical and i think that's great about npaf the national parks arts foundation tanya ortega rocks the the founder um which I mean, she just really had a vision when she started this going artists need to have there they come first, you know, she really has done that and then having these events and I know pandemic, you know, messed things up for a lot of people everywhere around the world, but um, she's really kept that up as much as she can and I mean, mm -hmm. even doing these shows that are so great for people to connect and hear you guys uh, stories and Anna, I just wanted to touch with that with what you do as an artist. I mean, I I always feel like your work is tactile too. Like it's it's visual tactile. Like there's I don't know. You you want you, you make people want to go into it. I don't know how to explain that either. It's just I don't. <laughs> how nice. do I explain that? You know. Yeah. I mean? Well, I also do. In, in. Yeah. Yeah. I do yeah. installation, so um, ah, yeah. you know, I work with with um, fiber and with silk and different fabrics and chiffons and. Um, create designs that are, are sort of printed on. And then one of my favourite things is to film them. And I was thinking this, getting back to Rick's feather capes, um, I generally have just a, a little um, hair dryer, a hair dryer, a little hand hair dryer um, off, off screen and just film the movement of the, the fabric design. And I was thinking for Rick's... Um, if he's ever going to film them, a very a, a hairdryer on gentle could look really beautiful. <laughs> Not on hot. <laughs> no, Not on no. hot, just on on cool, on gentle. You'll have and hair like gently mine moving, moving the feathers. <laughs> and the other thing I thought too, I don't know if Brooke's done it, is if you just had like a little, like a, a, a spare feather pad so that if there's a cape in a box and, you know, beautifully protected because it's so precious, you could have like just little pads that people could pat. They could pat these little feather pads and get the tactile feel of it while they look at the yeah, actually i do i do have that and so when i do oh, it out you know for people to see it's actually on the same size like netting that i actually um, um lash all the feathers onto which is the backing of the capes so they can have uh, and take a look at it in their hands and do the same you know oh, lovely. to see lovely. what it because the other thought thing i thought was oh like uh, little mittens that have got feathers on the inside <laughs> Oh right. my gosh. 
See, she is tactile. So that's it, Stan. You're going to have to just bring stars to Earth now. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That, they were all safe. But OK, that's so, a tough one. <laughs> I know. But it's like, OK, so uh, Stan, uh, obviously, you've got a massive project ahead of you this year, right? Are you going to do any national park things other than this project? I mean, this I, and you've got to keep us posted on this project. Oh, you know, I definitely, yeah, definitely oh, will. Please um, do. I'm, I'm actually applying to a couple more residencies, uh, with, with, which would be good. Uh, another thing I'm trying to do is work with uh, Andy Jarema, who's a sound. Oh, artist. Andy! Yeah, he was just on our show for January. Andy yeah. Jarema was talking, about, and we talked about you guys actually connected on the reunion show, which is so crazy. Cool. Yeah, I mean, you you introduced us, which is great, and then we've been slowly talking back and forth, trying to work our lives, and then also trying to collaborate and i made a I, I have these time-lapse videos of stars movements and uh andy's uh sounds and music i thought would work perfect because mm -hmm. I, I i really don't i'm not really into the more traditional western style music that goes with mm -hmm. these videos but his his music and mostly sounds are i think really work well so i put one together and I, I'm, I'm trying to listen to his other pieces and try trying to match them up with other time-lapse videos so well, i'll keep you posted on that too that's exciting i love this that's what the national parks arts foundation is like this giant family of amazing people that create amazing amazing work and keep us grounded in history and and bring us back to our roots but also throw us out there and go oh we got to look at the wide open world you know the natural world i think that's what's so beautiful about this whole residency program and and the arts in general but Anna, i i see that you're often running in residencies <laughs> yeah well it's just catching up on the COVID years really there's a couple of residencies that um we we're meant to be doing and they're they're finally going to be happening this year so um i'm heading off to the arctic circle whoa um to the, and i'm trying to work out the pronunciation kazlaktanen it's in Lapland in northern Finland. So it's wow. actually a, a luxury resort, but they um, have a residency program where they give you a cabin for a month. Um, so we're, we're heading there and that'll be really interesting. Just Congratulations. Totally. That sounds like a lot of fun. Say hi to the abominable snowman for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to be there in, in summer, so it'll be... It'll be sort of very different. We won't get those northern lights. I don't. I don't think we'll get much chance to see those. But um, I think that'll be even just getting there from Australia. <laughs> just, yeah, that's a long haul. That's a long haul, and it's a it's a big journey, and it's kind of exciting planning um, how you actually manage to get there. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to that. And. I've also been commissioned this year to create a video work um, for a, an orchestra here. So they're going to be touring later in the year. So um, I'll be creating a, a, a video in oh. response to, uh, yeah, the, the music that they're going to be playing in their concert tour. So that is oh, super wonderful. cool like pink floyd rock on dude like it's still going like yeah, I'm sorry. yeah well, I'm, I'm sorry. well come on they, yeah. they they did kind of start the 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 video well not all but they they were like pioneers of it really right 
of yeah like the wall video. remember the, yeah, the video yeah. after that yeah 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 i i remember watching that as a little kid going what the hell man is going yeah. on here yeah. <laughs> and then i had to watch it again and watch it and i'm like oh man these guys are crazy and cool but like then like concerts you know the imagery behind that i think there's a whole um that's a whole other art form that never gets talked about so that is yeah. oh i want to see i want to see yeah. because Oh, that is so cool. That is so, and I think it's really important because like for them to even film, like if you can't be there in person, but to film the orchestra and then have that too. So again, it's like art upon art. seems like mm. we're multi-layering tonight. I like this. Yeah. We're yeah. layering. And the, the, it's the Featherman is here. It, he's, yeah. he's laying, we haven't tied it down yet, but oh. um, there is a chance to work with a composer. Um, as well so working from scratch so I've actually got just got the email drafted to the director of the the orchestra saying well that's that's kind of my first choice if that's a possibility so um Ooh. keep everyone keep your fingers crossed that that might come come yeah, through that's very nice yeah it sounds like Ooh. a great see Rick mm. I think I think you may have brought the storms but then you you did all the layering work tonight i think like that juju is part of you because you're playing with feathers i'm not saying playing in a, in a light-hearted way but i mean really right. you're working with feathers and you never well, know i mean that's the thing it's layer on layer right that's what i was doing the last time we talked was working with feathers and i'm actually doing that right now oh, oh very talking. good what do you have but, in your hands what 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 kind of feather i'm working with um pheasant feathers today so i'll be working for this cape for the princess abigail um Mm. um feathers from the lady amherst pheasant and then from the chinese golden pheasant also this cape that i designed will be the main body color being the goldish yellow color and then the motifs will be in red and black mm. and um the unfortunate thing is that i don't have much time so i will be working probably about 20 hours a day on this until i get it done no but it'll i, I will be working a lot on it because i actually have to be on oahu with this um, feather cape by the 21st of this month. And, and I well, just... with that, with that, we're getting off the show. He's got to go to work. Right. Oh, no, right. Like I said, I'm working as we're speaking. So, and even if we were on video, I would be doing this because it might have even have been an interesting part to see. Oh, yeah. Is, I wish is we the could. Building of the foundation. So, oh, well, um, you can yeah. always come on and show us on video. We, we can always do. Listen, you guys. Please, like I said, you NPAF artists are all part of family to us. And um, anything that you guys are doing, always stay in touch. We always do these reunion shows now. It's kind of become a, a annual thing. And um, it's always cool to have all of you on the same show together. I think that's it's, it's just so interesting, you know, um, and it somehow always connects in well, some it, ways. It really is. And I, I learn a lot from um, this is the first one I've been on actually with other artists. Um, although I've been in this this program from its inception. So for me, um, you know, it's it's really fun to meet people um, on this and to see what their work is for, you know, with uh, with Stan and with Anna and um, and, and, you know, and, and the work is and, and it's just it's just really cool, you know, because even just the ideas of what uh, Anna would bounce off and then what Stan would talk about and doing photography and such, too. I mean, gosh, if you guys are ever in California or if I'm ever in your neck of the woods, um, yeah, just um, contact me ahead of time. We'll see if we can get together and do something. It would be Tony just needs to have a, a national park that can fit all of us in. 
that's that's great. And I want to be there. Nancy and I want to be there. We want our little cove so we can just do podcasting all day and uh-huh. music at night. Oh, yeah. You know, oh sure. We yeah. want to. I want to be part of the music scene. You know, that's my thing. But I, yeah. I want to do that. And and then Stan, Stan can really take me out there. Like Stan, I think Stan, you were the first person who ever got through to me about shutter speed, like and explained <laughs> it on the first time he was on the show. And it was like, it was so cool. And then I got off of like, I got what he said. You know, it's like, he taught me stuff that, you know, he taught me so much. And it's like, wow, okay, I've got some, you know, but um, I'm sorry, but my night photography totally sucks. When I look at your work, I'm like, okay, but I still, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. But um, it's just practice. honestly, it is about practice. And uh, I think, you know, Godspeed to everyone in the creative arts. And I want to just before we, we got to go go, but and, and especially Rick's got he's got feather work to do. He's the master. He's got to get it done. He's got to get it done. You know, Santa's going to come down from the North Pole and tell you, Rick, go, go, go. Um, he'll send you some elves down, um, but they have hammers. You may not want them. Um, but yeah, we don't we, we don't need that. But, um, you know, th- there's an interesting thing of of the arts and sometimes people have this and they need to do it and they need to break free from it. And it's kind of a different question. You know, you know, you, you really have this drive for the arts and and maybe you're really good at it. Maybe you you still have a lot of work to do. What would each of you say to someone's like, you know, I just really, they need to go over and, and embrace it. Like, don't be a baby about it. Like get in it if it's something you really want to do. So I will start with you, Stan. Someone who really is into it, it could be a hobby and they're really, really good, but they're scared to go for it because, oh my gosh, like, you know, I've got to feed my family. I've got to do this and that, you know what I mean? So all the ifs and ifs and all of, and and family feeding families is an important thing. So I, I understand, but sometimes we, we, we don't get past our little voice in the head. What would you say? Yeah, I think because, uh, people have this interest and if uh, if this is really what they want to do, I, I would say just do as much of it as you can. Practice, talk to other people, uh, just create, just keep keep doing it. Every, whatever you do, just do it a lot. And uh, I know that I think for artists, we have to do what we do. We, I mean, we, we can't not uh, take pictures, paint, uh, make capes, things like that. We, we can't not do that. And so if, if somebody who's sort of at the non-professional level feels that way, I just say, do as much as you can. I'm working with a younger photographer who's, who's like that. And he, he'll just, he'll just read everything and he'll do everything. And, and I think it's, it's the right, right attitude. I mean, obviously you have to work within some constraints sometimes, but uh, I, I would just say, just do as much as you can and, and talk to as many people as you can. Mm. What about you, Anna? Well, I think um, I would just say to em- embrace that uh, we are all artists. So whether or not we're professional. So if you're um, creating a meal and the way that you present that food on the plate, if you're designing a you know, a, a vehicle, you're, you're an artist, you're, you're, you know, kind of creating all of that. Um, if you're a tradesperson and you're doing your carpentry, you're, you know, the, the creative process is everywhere. 
Um, and I think it needs to not be seen as an alien sort of particular special mm. thing so much, but for humans to realise that everyone every day in some way is, is being creative. I agree. And I always say we want even your accountant, if he's not creative, then you need to get him or her <laughs> out of your business. <laughs> So you always want wow. creativity. Yeah, no, seriously. So uh, Rick, Rick, on your side, anything you want to say on, on someone? Uh, oh, my gosh, you're teaching feather work, like teaching them to have a future in feather work. That's got to be a hard kind of road. Yeah. Well, you know, and, it's, and it's not so much, you know, a future in it in a way that uh, but then it is kind of about the future. And and so we're trying to protect and save an art form that is at its stage of, of, of disappearing um, pretty much altogether. That's why I do all this work. So when I have students, you know, and I know that there have been teachers in the past, and maybe there are still some teachers today that teach this work, but they teach it at such a level that if it's not perfect while it's being taught and while they're producing the work, then to me, you're not encouraging the people to go after what they're, um, what their motivation or what their desire is going to be in that artwork. I know that there are people all over the world that are in different levels of what they can do and what they're capable of doing in order to remain a part of that. I would just tell them is to not be intimidated by um, the people, let's say that are at the top of the food chain as, as artists. Um, Stan might be where he's at. On the, and he may be on the top of the food chain on, on his specific work. And so might Anna, you know, and for me, um, I, you know, I am. And so I, I teach in such a way that I tell people that if you're doing it the best that you can and that your work is complete, then you've completed, you know, you've completed the stage of being a part of this work. And if you like what you do, you should continue and you should continue doing it as best as you can and that's all we can expect of you is to do it the best of your ability, unless your ability changes. And then if your ability changes because you're more motivated by the work and now you've become, you know, in love with your work, then you're going to take other steps to try to, you know, to improve your own work. And if you do that, you know, then you've accomplished so much just to get to that point and you will continue to do that. And that also extends just in that motivation part, it'll extend into your regular everyday life and you might become a better person because of that. Ooh, I love it. I love it. You guys are amazing. And, and that goes with applying for a National Park Artist, uh, Arts Foundation residency that um, you may not always win that residency, but it doesn't mean you quit. Right. Keep going. Keep going. Because sometimes it's just the odds aren't in your favor. You know, um, right. it just it just is what it is. It is the luck of the draw of people coming in. You've got it's juried. So it's a very real deal make no mistake i mean that's a jury deal and um and once you do it it's it's really a good thing for your resume i think you all know that right it's something that helps you get other residencies and move forward um so I, it, it's really that you know go for it keep going right. for it you don't have to sell the farm to go for it either so right. um, everyone national parks arts org is the website and also, um, you know, not only artists should go check out the website, people who are into parks and uh, potential donors just saying, 
you know, they need support too. Uh, they really try to support the artists. Uh, some of the residencies come with a stipend. Uh, they try to, you know, there's a lot of work and money that goes into this. So um, just saying, you know, be kind this year of 2023. So go to nationalparksartsfoundation.org, check them out. And also uh, Mary Babcock, uh, she was here on earlier. Keep up with her at marybabcock.com. Master feather worker, Rick San Nicholas. So good to have you back on the show. Uh, go to hawaiianfeathers.com. Uh, also, Anna Glenn, go to her website, annaglynn.com, and that's G-L-Y-N-N, annaglynn.com, and stanhonda, stanhonda.com. And, of course, keep up with us at bigblendradio.com. We are here every first Friday talking about uh, national parks and the arts with the National Parks Arts Foundation. Thank you all so much for joining us. Thanks, Lisa. Thanks, Lisa. Aloha. Take care. Thank you.